Missouri's only in-depth weekly art show, recorded in the heart of the Midwest, Columbia, Missouri, and broadcast each Thursday evening from 7 till 8 on 89.5 FM, KOPN Columbia. My name is Diana Moxon. in the final two weeks before Art in the Park, there were so many details to take care of that I felt like scheduling my day by the minute was the only way to cross everything off my list and stay on top of all of the last minute questions and changes and requests that would rain down on me. And so I am incredibly grateful that the two women behind this weekend's Roots and Blues Festival have squeezed me into the schedule. Although full disclosure, we did record this a few days ago as it is almost impossible as I remember, to put together a coherent sentence the night before a festival opens, which is when you're listening to this. Tracy Lane and Shay Jasper, thank you so much for a final update on Speaking of the Arts, at least, of this weekend's Roots and Blues Festival. Hello, ladies. Good morning. Thanks for having us back. Well, I know it's not as much fun talking about the nitty-gritty housekeeping stuff as the music, but there are always some critical things to remind people of, especially this year when health and safety is such a huge part of any event. So Shay, let's start with showing proof of vaccination and how you're managing that process. Absolutely. So if you go to our website, Roots and Blues Festival, there's this link with all of our COVID-19 protocol information. So if you're wondering about what we'll require on site, what we're requiring ahead of time, go to that page. But we are working with CrowdPass, which is a digital vaccine verification software. And it's, it's incredibly easy. So you click on the link. You can send the link to your friends, family, anyone that you're attending the event with. You click on it. Uh, you upload your card, a photo of your card, and then any information that they ask. And then when you're approved, you'll get this cool little green check mark, And you'll show us that check mark as you enter the gates. We'll put a wristband around your wrist informing folks that you've been verified and you are free to roam about the festival and have fun throughout the weekend. And I got, I think, a little QR code sent to me as well to show for that. So, I mean, there has been a lot of talk, particularly with Lollapalooza, that people maybe had forged their vaccination cards. I mean, is is this system completely foolproof or is it like anything else? It relies on people's honesty to a certain degree. It is foolproof, yes. So with the link, the card goes through a process of scrubbing to make sure that it is not photoshopped. And then there are also human eyes on on the, the card, making sure that the names match, that the dates match. So yeah, it goes through two verification processes and um, it should be completely foolproof. And that's the same if you haven't been vaccinated, but have proof of a negative test within 72 hours. That's also the same. You would upload those test results or do you absolutely have to be vaccinated? We are offering the option of, of testing and we are we're encouraging testing for even those that are vaccinated. But yeah, if you upload your test the same way, 72 hours in advance, it'll go through those same processes where they make sure it's not photoshopped. And they also make sure that all of the information matches. So how does that work for people who might only today or tomorrow at the last minute be deciding they want to buy a pass or a day ticket? They will get the link 
to upload the verification in their inbox after they purchase the pass. It's also available on our website. So before they even purchase the pass, they can go through the screening process. If they plan to walk up to the gates and purchase their pass, then they can go through this verification process right now, even. So parking is always a bit of a challenge for any event at Stevens Lake Park. But as far as the public are concerned, am I right in thinking there is zero parking available and everybody needs to be looking at the shuttle service. So talk to me about the shuttles. Correct. Yes, there is absolutely no parking near the festival unless you have an ADA hang tag or an ADA license plate. We do offer ADA parking in the Rickman Pavilion parking lot that does fill up rather quickly. So we have some spillover parking. But for folks that do not have those, we do suggest that you park at one of the downtown city parking garages. We'll have a, an MU Healthcare provided shuttle that will uh, be making rounds to all of those, those locations and picking folks up and bringing them to the festival. I will say uh, masks are required on those shuttles. So please, please bring your mask regardless of your vaccination status. Um, and those shuttles will drop off individuals right at the front gate. So very easy access. Just park downtown and, and take a shuttle. And you also, what I love about Roots and Blues is you have a really huge space to park your bicycle. And so it's really easy to get there by bike and then just lock your bike up. Exactly. Yes, our friends at PedNet are providing the bike parking this year. So for people who are volunteering, there is the same health and safety protocols required as for the festival's visitors. Is there anything that volunteers in particular need to know? Yes. So volunteers who have been approved should go through the CrowdPass verification process. Um, they should bring their water bottle. We have free water stations for, for both patrons and volunteers and staff. So drink plenty of water, bring your sunscreen. We don't really know what the weather is going to do that we we do really hope for a, a nice mid-70s weekend. Um, but yeah, uh, bring that and and just come and be prepared to help us out and have a great time. And Roots and Blues is a cash-free event. So all food and drink purchases are made using a, a wristband, a chargeable wristband. Can you just tell us quickly how that works, Shay? Of course. Yes. So uh, wristbands should be delivered in mailboxes this week um, if you don't already have them. And once you have that wristband in your inbox as well, you should have an email letting you know uh, how the process works with registering your wristband. There are some numbers on the back of the chip on the wristband that need to be registered online and a form of payment can be connected, whether that's a, a debit or credit. So rather than in the past where you had to top up multiple times with cash, credit or debit, this year we're connecting the payments directly. So it will come directly from your your form of payment rather than having to track how much money you have left on your wristband. Okay. Is there any other critical housekeeping information you'd like to let people know about inclement weather plans? <laughs> we ordered perfect weather for the okay. show. We don't need those. <laughs> I think you said you can delay by an hour. If if there is any inclement weather, then you the city is allowing you to delay things by an hour because you really have to end at a certain time, right? And clear the park. Right. There is a sound curfew. And so in the past, the schedule was packed up right up until that sound curfew. So in light of the situation that happened in 2019, we opted to shorten the performance time each day by an hour, allowing us to have an extra hour if needed to delay a, a performance because of weather. Uh, pick up and drop off for Uber and Lyft is the West parking lot at Stevens Lake Park. That is the place where you will be dropped and then you just walk up the hill to the gates 
And then uh, you walk down the hill back to that parking lot in the evening to catch your rideshare home. And the Western parking lot is the one on Old 63 opposite the entrance to the hospital, just to be clear. Right. Okay, on with the music. So on this week's show, I want to focus on some of the awesome local and Missouri-based bands who will be on the main stages this weekend. Shay, I know we touched on this a little in the last show, but can you talk about the process for local bands to be on the Roots and Blues stages? Is it, can they apply? Is it simply who you've seen and liked? How does it work? Yeah, so Tracy and I, we we see a lot of local shows. We try to get out there in the community as much as we can to discover new talent or discover, you know, maybe changes that local bands who have been around for a long time are making. And so when we go through the curation process, we usually start with our headliners. We we curate these lineups around who we really, really want to end the night. And we, you know, go down the schedule from there. And so Really, the, the locals that fit the bill are the ones that we, we reach out to and we ask them to come along and be a part of this. Um, it's their sound that we feel like would match the flow of the day, uh, whether that's country or more pop or more singer-songwriter. And so, yeah, that is that's that is the process of how we choose our locals. So there's no way that a band can apply or, or lobby. It's really you're the curators of, of the show and you make those decisions. Well, we do. Um, you know, we... We are invited to listen to a lot of new music throughout the year, not just during the booking process. We still have folks who send us direct messages on Facebook or emails asking us to check them out and and let them know if they would be a good fit for the following year. So we're, we're always open to, to listening to new music. So Tracy, talk to me about a couple of the local bands who you are most excited to see and then t- tell us a little bit about them. The local bands bring such important energy to the space of any event. And, you know, I always, I feel the heart of our music community is the local sound. And that really is what drives everything that we do. It all begins there. So I can't say that I'm not, um, that I'm more excited about one than another, but uh, I feel like we have a great representation of Columbia and Missouri-based artists that Across the spectrum of the genres, you know, as Shay was saying, that we've curated for each stage. So again, there's just such an immense wealth of local female talent that we, it was a, not a hard choice to be able to fill every stage with folks from Missouri. So we have, let's see, uh, we have Sifa, of course, who hails from Columbia, Missouri, and we have the Bernie sisters from Columbia. We have Molly Healy coming from Springfield, who, of course, at one time was based here. So she's sort of um, still a little bit considered one of our own. And then Hallie Kearns and Cassie Ashton. We have Amanda Fish from Kansas City. We have One Way Traffic from St. Louis. It was really important to us to, um, again, with the female initiative, to represent all parts of Missouri, you know, all parts of the state. And again, there were so many options to choose from. And I shall I not forget Lily B. Moonflower, who is just this adorable country singer from Kansas City. Did I cover all the... the <laughs> you got him, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we've got everything from pop to country to, you know, R&B. It's, it's all in there. Shay, is there anyone making your list of must-see Missouri bands? I think so, yes. And for me, it's, you know, I love to watch performers on a stage, but more so than that, I love to watch a crowd watch a performer. And we've just been getting so many folks 
who are excited to see Hallie Kearns come back. She's currently in Nashville. And, and Cassie Ashton to come back to Missouri to perform. Um, a lot of family is still here. And so to see those families gather and celebrate their own, it's, it's, I think it's going to be magical. It's going to be really, really cool to see. So I'm excited about that part. So besides the bands on the two main stages, you also have a roster of, I always call them buskers because that's what True Falls calls them, but people that aren't on the main stage, performers that aren't on the main stage, they're either on the front porch or maybe they're roaming. So how, again, back to the process question, how do you decide who gets to be in the busking roster? Sure. So um, it's really an energy thing. You know, we have Calvin Street Band coming back uh, and they, they're unplugged. They've got this really, really great guitar sound that's really, really uh, nice and soft around the park space. So they've been coming back for the last three or four years now. And then we have our very energetic and loud and, and wonderful mobile funk unit. And that brings kind of a different energy. It gets the, the crowd excited and, and it, um, I don't know, Tracy, how would you describe that, that energy that they bring? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting because I think mobile funk unit is all of those things. They're exciting and they're loud and they're, they, they capture your attention. And, and I love that the last couple of years we've invited them to sort of kind of walk up and down East Walnut Street and get people excited and get people in the mood before they even enter the gates on Friday. You know, that line got the mobile funk folks roaming up and down East Walnut, just really pumping up the energy and getting people really jazzed uh, for what's to come. So I'm really grateful that, you know, I think we have a, a really, the last few years, we've continued to use Mobile Funk Unit and Calvin Street Band because I think it's a great balance, sort of, you know, two different dynamics that, so the the folky storyteller side of music and then the, the energy, the ultra groove, I always like to say that, that, always is uh, brings energy to a, a live music space. So the two together are a great dynamic balance, I think. And uh, we're grateful that they continue to come back and contribute to make sure that people are enjoying live music throughout the park. Even if you're not in front of the stage, you can still hear a little tune. And then, uh, of course, the front porch stage is always fun, too, where it gives folks the opportunity who just want to pop on and play a tune or two, bring their guitar along. That's an unplugged stage for um, the novice, the beginner, or last year we had a lot of children who popped up there. Yeah, I love how Mobile Funk Unit have a, they're almost like Pied Pipers. You know, <laughs> as they move around, people start following them. and, and <laughs> You can't help but dance, exactly. Yeah. So before we close, Tracy and Shay, I know this has probably been the most difficult 18 months of your life, buying a festival and then watching any chance of an income and a whole year of work disappear once it became obvious the pandemic was not going to be over by the summer. So Shay, how does it feel to now be on the cusp of everything you've worked for? Wow. Um, well, um, that statement uh, made me very emotional. Um, but I think... You know, I keep telling folks that that are like, "Oh, you must be so stressed out. You must be really anxious." And and yes, I mean there there is the stress and anxiety that comes along with planning a major event. But you know, Tracy and I would we would have given anything for this feeling last year, and we we didn't have it. You know, we wanted to feel the rush of of the anxiety and the energy and the excitement, and all the things that come with that. So I'm very grateful. I feel I feel 
a lot of gratitude right now. And Tracy, for you, this is not just what you've worked for for the past two years, but it almost feels like the culmination of your life's work and passions. How are you, how are you feeling? Um, as Shay said, it's, it, there's a there's just a, a such a range of emotion when you made that statement, thinking about the last eighteen months and how critical this became at. at at moments, you know, personally and professionally figuring out how to navigate owning a company that we couldn't operate from almost from the moment we purchased it. So again, so much gratitude. So many people have been so gracious, so generous, so kind, and they've, you know, they kept the faith. There were moments like even just yesterday, I got this lovely, lovely text from our box office manager and it just moved me to tears and I'm going to cry again. Just, thanking Shay and me for not giving up. I haven't even told Shay about this yet, <laughs> but um, yeah, th- it is. This is, this is uh, a vision um, that I have wanted for over 30 years to be at this place on the precipice of, of where we are this week and, and to see it finally coming together because of this incredible community of support that we have here. It's a pretty overwhelming feeling. Um, there aren't really words. Well, I, I know it's going to be fantastic. And I feel like you are going to be at your peak watching maybe Staples. Tracy, <laughs> that's yes, going to be yes. the moment for you. And I probably should just walk past you with a box of tissues or something. So that... I think there'll be a lot of crying this year, but tears of joy. <laughs> Well, the 14th annual Roots and Blues Festival starts tomorrow, September the 24th, and runs for three days with a lineup that includes Brandy Carlisle, Cheryl Crow, Mavis Staples, Lennon Stella, Tank and the Bangers, Mickey Guyton, plus artists from Columbia and across Missouri, and so much more. You can see a full lineup of the performing artists and get information about the festival at rootsandbluesfestival.com. Tracy Lane and Shay Jasper, thank you so much from all of us for hanging in there over the past 18 months and for doing everything you can this year to keep festival visitors and volunteers safe this weekend i will see you both tomorrow thanks diana see you tomorrow thanks diana The last time Violet and the Undercurrents stood on stage in front of hundreds of people was February 2020 when they played a tribute to the Cranberries. Two weeks later, the onstage world as we knew it came to an abrupt halt. This weekend's Roots and Blues Festival is the end of that 19-month hiatus. And whilst is the longest time that Violet Vonderhaar has spent away from the stage since she was nine years old, it has been a time of rest and reflection, not only for Violet, but for all the band members. And I am so delighted to welcome Violet back to Speaking of the Arts. Hello, Violet. Hello, thanks for having me. How are you feeling about standing on a huge stage this weekend in front of thousands of people? <laughs> I'm feeling I'm feeling very excited. I'm feeling ready. Um, like you mentioned, it's you know it's been a, a long time for rest and reflection, and and we're we're feeling ready to to get back out there. I think the past year has changed how. Many of us react to situations that used to seem incredibly normal. And I saw you on stage last weekend at the Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture's Harvest Hootenanny. And I'm curious whether that felt completely normal or whether you noticed a psychological change in yourself. You know, that's um, that's a, a good question. Or, um, 
Since we've gone back on stage, we've had a handful. Phil, Sean, and I have been playing as a duo for a couple of months now. And there's definitely been a psychological change. Um, it's, it's hard to talk about it, you know? Yeah. Um, there was a moment during lockdown where I questioned whether or not we would ever be on stage again and whether or not it was something that I even wanted to do if the world opened back up. There were moments where I, I questioned whether or not being a musician was something that was meaningful to the world, whether or not what I was offering to the world was something that the world needed. Mm. And, um, and so just being at that point, it was a real, that was a really interesting place for me to be at because I've never felt that before as a musician. I've, you know, I started singing as soon as I could speak. And so to be at a, a place where I was questioning that was really scary. And, um, and it took, it's taken a lot of time for me to get back to to my center and my knowing and um, my truth that I know that music is is powerful beyond words beyond measure and and having the opportunity to to go back on stage and to to share that to share my music with a deeper understanding and and um and confidence that what I offer to the world is valuable. It's just, you know, it's hard to put it into words. It really is. And so um, each time I get back on stage, it, it, it's starting to feel a little bit more like home. The first show that we played was a private show to, to people that we only knew so we could kind of get our feet wet a little bit again and, and get used to, to the feeling, you know, those vibrations and of sharing the most vulnerable parts of ourselves with, with people and, and connecting in, in a way that we hadn't for, for 19 months. So you wrote on Facebook that before the pandemic, the truth was that you were all verging on burnout and suppressing issues that needed attention and that so much healing and change has happened for you since that last big show in February 2020. How do you feel like you've changed and how the band has changed? We've changed so much. Um, so just a, a little bit, of, you know, the burnout and the feeling that we that we didn't even realize that we were feeling until everything shut down. You know, it's like everything was moving so fast and everything stopped. It was like, oh my gosh, we got a chance to, you know, look around and catch our breath and realize how how much we were doing and how much we were putting in the back burners. I had um, started to develop tennis elbow. And so even playing guitar was was painful for me. And um, Phil Shine had had a head injury about a year before we released the captain um, and we just kept pushing forward and pushing really hard. And, um, and so when everything stopped, it gave us a chance to look not only at our physical bodies and how we were kind of ignoring how much we were pushing ourselves, but, um, but also spiritually and emotionally, it gave us a chance to kind of recenter. And as far as the band goes, we, yeah, we all had different things that we needed to address. And so I should mention that our guitarist, Lizzie Wyland is no longer with us in the band. Um, she has decided to go on and work on her solo work. And so that's one way that things have changed. And she's really started to find her voice, which is, I just think is really incredible. I think that that's all I've ever wanted with any, anybody who's been in our band is to find their, their musical voice. And I'm really glad that she's done that. So unfortunately, she's not with us anymore in the band, but Linda's still playing with us. And I know that she, she also had a lot of time to reflect and, and recenter as well. So 
Has your music, the music you've written over the past 18, 19 months, do you see a change in that too? Yes. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting at the beginning when everything started shutting down, I had this huge creative just outburst and I was writing and I was painting and collaging again, which I hadn't done since I was like in college and just, just exploding. Everything <laughs> was coming out. And then, and then it just all stopped. And I think part of that was, you know, it was kind of that everybody's like, okay, this is only going to be like a couple months, right? We can do this. And then months come go by and go by and it's like, okay, wow. And so I just, I almost felt like I was running out of things to write about. Like, you know, I, I get inspired by, by people that I interact with and when I'm only interacting with one or two people, you know, it's harder, it's, it's harder to, to find the inspiration. At least it was for me. Um, but at the beginning, you know, what I was really writing about was, was that burnout feeling and also looking at everything that was happening from a, a bigger picture. And that's, that's kind of what I always try to do is try to get a bird's eye view and look at what's happening. It's easy to get stuck in, you know, your own world and, and your own problems, but taking a step back and seeing what's happening has definitely um, influenced my writing in the last year and a half. And just to kind of give, helps me to give more meaning and perspective to, to what's going on and, um, and I've also, I started writing on piano. I started teaching at home uh, virtually. And so my piano moved into my dining room. So so that definitely changed my writing in that sense. So I've written a couple songs on keyboard, which actually we're doing one at Roots and Blues. I've asked Audra Sergal, who's playing with us for the show. She's going to play keys on it though. So I can, I can just worry about singing for that. But yeah, the, the writing has changed. You write so movingly about being a performer and you wrote in a social media post earlier this year about how when you sing at a show, you visualize healing washing over the listeners and, and you sing prayers through your melodies and you envision the vibrations moving through each person. Talk to me about how in, in recent years, you've really come to see every gig as a sacred duty. Hmm. Yeah, it um it was an evolution. I've always I've always known and felt that music is, you know, a healer and when we released The Captain, that's whenever it really became more and more clear to me how important music is for healing and there's one song in particular Eyes on the Sky that we would play and it was it was just transcending. You know, every time we played it, it felt like we were in a whole other world. It just and and I started to see that effect on audience members as well, and how we all were just kind of, we were connecting at this this other level that you don't get to do in, in just you know regular life. Um, those frequencies were helping to, to connect us all.
but music has a way of finding those parts inside our body that are hard to to put into words or to, hard to articulate sometimes and it has a way of kind of shaking up those those feelings and emotions and breaking them loose and and that's you know that's one of our that's my full intention and um, reason really for saying yes to this gig for Roots and Blues because I know that there's so much that all of us are holding and if I can help to kind of loosen up some of that, that trauma and all the, the, everything that we've been, you know, suppressing and holding for these last two years, if so our music can help to kind of shake some of that up and, and release it and help heal, then that's, that's why we're playing the show. So, and that's why I play music. I think that's going to go in both directions this weekend. I mean, for, yeah. for many audience members and probably for many people on the stage, this is the first time they've been in the same space for a year and a half. And and whilst you perceive the energy and the vibration going through the crowd, I mean, it comes back to you too. Right. I wonder what kind of emotional roller coaster this weekend is going to be for you and, and for many people on the stage. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> 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 Trying to prepare myself, you know. Um, I anticipate there be, to be a lot of emotions and um, just a, a lot, lot of feelings for sure. But they should have got a tissue company as a sponsor. I just feel like there should be boxes of like tissues all around. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, also, not only because of the pandemic, but also you're standing on the stage this weekend, the same stage as so many great female artists oh. and Brandy Carlisle in particular, who you cite as one of your major influences. Yes. I mean, how does that feel? Oh, my gosh. I just I. I mean, honestly, you know, this festival has seemed like this, this so far off thing for so long, you know, like, oh, it's, it's not, it's never going to happen, right? This feels like, <laughs> it's like five years from now, but it's like, it's, it's this weekend and it's actually happening. And I'm going to be standing on stage with these women that I listened to growing up and influenced my writing. I mean, I just, I, I can't even put into words. It, it's just going to be such a, it's such an honor. It's such an honor to be a part of this event and, the organizers, Tracy and Shay and Jamie, I'm so grateful that they decided to take this this leap because um, it's it's really big. It's it's really big what they've done. It is. It is huge. And 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 I I know how hard the last 18 months have been for Tracy and Shay and and Jamie and that they get to we all get to have this amazing event in our community and it even looks like the weather gods are going to be oh nice God, to no. us for the weekend. I mean, it is just so such an incredible experience. And like I say, I think for everybody, it's going to be so emotional, everybody yeah. being there together. You know, one of the things that I find endlessly fascinating is how so many actors are painfully shy people, yet when they become a character on stage, they become braver and just so fearless, like just a rabid extrovert. And I'm curious how you cross that threshold as a performer, because it seems like you are a very private and, and quiet person in your private life. But then there's the public you too. How big is that divide? And, and how do you mentally make that transition? Yeah, um, I guess it's a little bit of an art, you know, trying to find that fine line of remaining vulnerable and honest with your audience members, but also still creating that sacred personal space as well. You know, I, I've just always tried to be authentic as much as I can. But I, I will say that when we released The Captain, 
that's whenever I really started feeling that shift of personal violet and on stage violet. When mm-hmm. I put that captain hat on and I put the jacket on, it was like this this whole other character that I was able to embody. And it really, um, it did affect the way that I held myself on stage. I felt more confident. It was, you know, the captain is, a, you know, this archetype of, of a deeply passionate person who is committed to, well, to their passion, what they're, what they're doing and, you know, is following the journey. And that is kind of, you know, it was a, you could say it was a metaphor for, of course, me and following my music and the, and the muse. But having this this separate character that I was able to kind of embody, it helped to steer the steer the ship, you know, and, and figure out how to how to present myself. And but yeah, it's it's definitely an art of trying to find that that fine line of remaining open and vulnerable, but also still keeping keeping things for yourself. I mean, looking forward to this weekend, what is involved in gearing up for the festival? How long have you been working on this? Mentally, since Tracy asked us to play the show, um, but physically, we we started rehearsing a couple months ago, and uh, we've been rehearsing. I guess every Sunday, we've been getting together, and um, we put together a really good group. This pretty much the same group that we performed with at the last Roots and Blues. We we had Audra Circle and my sister Tara Vonderhaar and Lucy Goldberg on backup vocals, and then of course Linda Bott on bass and Phil Sean on drums. So. The uh, is that six of us? The six of us got together, have been getting together, and um, we've been working up some new tunes that, like I mentioned, um, that I wrote during lockdown, and uh, but also reworking older tunes from the captain, and um, just kind of finding our our footing again and figuring out how to how to, how to play together again. <laughs> I mean, we weren't in the same room until our first rehearsal since you know since February 2020. The first time we had all been in the same weekend together was was our first rehearsal a couple months ago. And so, it you know, it's just taken some time just to get comfortable with each other. And we're rehearsing with masks on. We've, we've been super safe. My, uh, my sister, Tara, she's got a, a, a new baby who's going to be a year on October 1st, year old. And so we've all just been, you know, really safe because of that. And so, you know, it's 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 different. It's definitely different trying to rehearse with masks on and it's harder to like, you know, match your vocals and whatnot. <laughs> but we're making it work. We make it work. And it's just it feels so good just to just to be making music with them again. I'm just really grateful to have them all in, in the band. Well, Violet and the Undercurrents will be performing from 2 till 3 this Sunday afternoon at the Roots and Blues Festival. And you can also connect with the band via their website, violetandtheundercurrents.com. Violet, thank you for everything that you do to support women and girls in the music industry. And, and thank you for taking time to chat and being so open and honest. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And here is Violet and the Undercurrents with a track from their 2019 album, The Captain Called the Captain, part one.
so you can't save me. I first met my next guest back in 2018 when she had graduated from Hickman High School in the year of community college and was about to head off to Boston to attend the Berkeley School of Music. Even then, she had an aura of wisdom beyond her years of being on the cusp of success and having a profoundly mature sense of her place in the world. Plus, she had a fantastic voice and was already an experienced songwriter. So I could not be more excited to see her name on this week. Weekend's Roots and Blues schedule and to welcome Sifa Bihomora back to Speaking of the Arts. Sifa, what a joy to get you to myself for a few minutes this evening. It's great to be here and it's pretty joyful for me too. (laughs) (laughs) So last time we chatted, you were headed off to the prestigious Berkeley School of Music, but ultimately that was not the place you wanted to be. What realizations did you come to while you were there? Berkeley was, it was a lot. It was a lot of good. It was a lot of bad. It was a lot of everything. But the realization that I came to find, I think the one that mattered the most to me is that, I mean, I'm good enough. I think I went chasing something outside of me and realizing that everything was inside of me. Like, that's the big theme of what I found. But even, like, what I learned there, like, I was working with the outreach program, the global initiative, I was doing a research, doing my research there and learning so much about how the music industry works and learning so much about business and me knowing. I didn't know that I loved business as much as I <laughs> as I did until I went there. And so it was really cool. Like I learned a lot of stuff about myself and I learned how like I never knew how to like sight read. I never knew how to do certain things in music and they taught me it. And when I learned it, I realized I was doing it all along. Mm. So it kind of just made me realize I should stop beating myself up. We should stop. People should stop beating themselves up so much. Because once you get something and once you see it for what it is, you're like, I was already good enough for this. Why did I, why did I put myself through something that I didn't want to realize that I was good enough? I was great all along. But like you said, I mean, there are certain things that you took away, like an insight into the music industry, into the business side of music. What are some of the key takeaways from those areas? Some of the takeaways that I got with with the music business and all that was how the music industry is working and how you really can't go to school to be an artist. You kind of have to make the movement rather than bend to the movement. That's how they keep people in the system. Um, and honestly, about the African, my biggest thing is trying to figure out how to help African students and help Africa music industry, because Africa, a lot of music originates from Africa and Africa has done a lot for music, but Africa is not reaping the benefits of it. And that's exploitation. And I feel like Africa needs to start getting what they deserve. And so my biggest thing going there and realizing like, seeing only 15 African students from the continent of Africa at a school where there's 70,000 students. It was mind blowing to me. And I was like, I need to make this better. (laughs) So we should explain that you are from Rwanda. Your parents are from Rwanda. And so you have strong links with, with Central Africa. And so tell me a little bit about the African Music Scholars Foundation that you've been working with to reach out to African scholars. So with African music scholars, it's been a dream. So we literally 
give scholarships to African students to come to America and we build community with these students and we have opportunities for them to make money because I feel like people don't really talk about, we just talk about scholarships, but we don't talk about once this African person comes to America or some foreign exchange comes to America, how do they get money for books? Mm. How do they get money for housing? You know, how much can a scholarship really give them? And then on that, it's how can they make it in a place that's completely foreign to them? And they're going to be facing oppressions that they never even knew existed for them. Right. So it's like building something for them. Like this is the foundation does all of this and makes leaders. And then after the students go through the program at, um, say, Berkeley, say, Juilliard, say, New School Music, they would go back and have to go build the community back home because everything we're doing isn't just for one person because the change doesn't start with one person. It starts with like, it starts with one person, but the movement, everything's going to happen is a ripple effect. And so we take this one person, they go back home, build back home and then boom, Africa's killing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your name Sifa means to lift up and through your Rwandan parents and heritage, you have access to the music of one continent and the opportunities of another. And and you combine that with your own passion to lift up others. But there is always the danger that when the land of opportunity comes knocking, that you throw away all that is unique and vibrant of your own culture to embrace the opportunity of the other. Tell me about the work you want to do in Rwanda to avoid that. A lot of the work that I'm trying to do in Rwanda to avoid all of that is just by helping them the way they need to be helped. And I think all of us, not only in Rwanda, we all have different problems. And the best way to go about it, the best way for it to be unique, the best way to do it right is doing it the way it works for you. Because every person is unique. We're copying others or we're being something else when we always are special. One thing I always think about is your fingerprint. You know, you can go to police station and there's, there's always going to be your fingerprint. There's no one ever going to be you out of every human being that's existed on the planet. No one will ever have your fingerprint. We are the definition of unique. So it's like, be. Just be and that's enough. You talk about how when you were at school... People didn't help you in the way that you needed to be helped, that they helped you in the way they thought they, they thought you needed to be helped. Talk a little bit about that and how that changed your outlook on life. I had a learning disability and um, I had case managers and my parents were refugees and they were taking care of me and my five brothers. They would go to my meetings, but my parents, my dad's education system was a lot better than the education system here where they actually were teaching them and like giving them all these information, doing all these things where for me, I didn't understand. So they put me in other classes. They put me in like uh, special ed classes or certain rooms and they just didn't really teach me the way I needed to be teached. They were just teaching me things to get me to go by. And even in that, it wasn't a way that benefited me. And that to me was just like, you're setting these kids up, you're setting me up for failure at such a young age. And so I was just, how is this possible? And it put a fire in my butt at eight and five. (laughs) Ever since I was in school, like I have to change. Like I have to change the world. Changing the world was never something 
for me to look good or something for me to like it's not beneficial for me at all it was me seeing so much injustice at a young age and saying this is intolerable for any human being this makes no sense for any human being to be told you don't even matter to exist at such a young age this is impossible i can break all of this and persevere but that's just me i need to make sure everyone doesn't have to even go through all this or they even don't even have to persevere through this we shouldn't let people suffer to make them stronger we shouldn't let people suffer at all I mean, on the same subject of lifting people up, this weekend you'll be performing on the same stage as women who have spent their careers fighting for equal opportunities for female musicians. And I'm curious for you, coming from the next generation and able to benefit from the work done by your musical foremothers, whether your experiences have been of feeling empowered as a woman in the industry or whether you feel like you still have to fight for a seat at the table. I definitely feel empowered as a woman. Um... And having all these wonderful women empowers me. Um, as a woman, I feel like the the world is moving more for us. And I'm so honored for all the women that have fought for that. But a lot of the uh, hardships that I face, um, woman is just a part of it because of the intersectionality of who I am. Mm. So it's never just, it's not like me being a woman is the oppression I face or the tough circumstances that I face, but more of my race, my family's background, and even just like classism. I think classism, the way we talk about it and how it affects isn't only in income, but the education that you get and the resources that you get and the knowledge that you get from having resources. Right. Well, let's talk a bit about your music. Last year, you released a new EP called Tiny. Tell us about what you wanted to say in these five songs. So Tiny came about, the album cover is an eye, and in the eye is the world. And I came to a point where I'm like, we are all absolutely small and all absolutely huge. We have worlds inside of us, but we are a speck of dust in existence so tiny is absolutely that that like the human experience the humanness of us all and how everything means something but everything means nothing and i think that's where i always come back to like yes i feel this this is important this is true but it absolutely isn't true it absolutely means nothing and i'm going to live and i'm going to die exist when this year you released a beautiful song that I absolutely love called Josh and the Piano. I listened to it over and over. Tell me about that song. That song is a near and dear song for me. I wrote it a year, a year and a half before I dropped it. When I was really going through a lot, um, I was sexually assaulted and it, um, it put me in like the worst space ever um, and anything I could ever believe in. I didn't really know how to move or how to see or how to be. And then a friend of mine from high school, a wonderful, wonderful person, just talented, amazing, happy, always helping people, always doing everything for other people, passed away. And it broke me. It broke me. And, and I, I kind of was questioning, you know, existence and why, 
why certain people live and why certain people don't and why certain things happen and certain things do. And and that's where the song came from. Um, his name was Josh. He was amazing singer, player, everything. And um, the song was just me singing for him, you know, singing about how how unfair it is and how he is awesome and he always will live in everything, you know. It was just so powerful to me. The water runs deep when you left me here alone. Hard to believe you laugh so sweet, always glow. Try to die. 
It is a, a a really beautiful song that makes me, even without knowing that story, it always makes me feel very emotional when I listen to it. I'm so happy you love that song. That song means, like, I didn't really promote it. I just put it out because I had to. I was like, I have to get this off my chest and that you like it. I'm just like, wow, wow. What's next for you? I know you songwrite really fast. I do. <laughs> I do. I am currently um, working on a couple EPs. I think I'm going to be releasing multiple EPs in a span of like months. And then um, I'm hopefully I'll be able to go to Rwanda eventually once everything gets better with COVID to go do more research. But I'm making a lot of music, putting out a lot of music, music videos are coming and more performances. Has it been hard writing music during a time of isolation and lockdown? It's never hard for me to write music. <laughs> music is the one thing that's never hard for me. It's it's literally like talking. I think the thing that's hard about writing music in lockdown is I can't make as much music as I want because I have so much music inside of me ready to get out, ready to express. And it's like, I can't go to the studio as much as I want to. I can't go and meet with producers as much as I want to. I can't collaborate with people as much as I want to, which kind of makes me sad, but I'm like, I can still sing to myself. So I'll get that. I'll do that. Has your music of the past 18 months that you've written reflected COVID or are you writing about other issues? I think other issues. I think a lot of what I'm writing about isn't something that's specific to none of my music is ever going to be specific to a moment but to a feeling everything that I write about is to a feeling it's never about a moment like COVID is a moment to me there's so many feelings that came from it and so the songs that I write are so many feelings but those feelings aren't exclusive to COVID. Those feelings are something that humans feel all the time and will continuously feel. I am so thrilled that you are here back in Colombia to play at Roots and Booze. And I want to say thank you so much because you will be on stage on my birthday and I could not ask oh. for a better musical birthday gift. So know that you are making one birthday girl very happy when you perform on Friday. I will. I will. <laughs> I will. And I'm so thankful for you to ask me to come talk. And I think everything you do is so amazing. So thank you. Well, it's a mutual fan club, Sifa. Sifa will be on stage at 5.45 tomorrow afternoon, Friday, the 24th of September. And if you want to hear her music, search for Sifa on Spotify. And Sifa, I am so glad that we got the chance to reconnect after three years apart. And thank you so much for chatting to me today. Thank you. And that is it for this week. All the Speaking of the Arts episodes are available as podcasts, which you can hear at speakingofthearts.transistor.fm, as well as on Spotify. And of course, you can also connect with the KOPN website at kopn.org. my guests today, Tracy Lane and Shay Jasper from Roots and Blues, musician Violet Vonderhaar and singer-songwriter Sifa Bihomora. Thanks, as always, to guitarist Yasmin Williams, whose song Restless Heart opens and closes the show. You can find more of her music on Spotify and on her website at yasminwilliamsmusic.com. Finally... 
Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week with more peeks behind the arts curtain. Until then, stay arty, Missouri. Missouri.